the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How many of you would say, Pastor, without any doubt, I know a time in my past where God provided for me. Let me see your hand. Yeah, me too. Why do we forget it? Why do we not rely on him as we go forward? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to respond to worry, to anxiety, the way that Moses and the Israelites did. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. We're focusing on the wrong things. So how do you focus on the right things? Well, here's the good news. Everybody do this. Pat yourself on the back because you're doing one of the right things right now. When we gather to worship, that stimulates us in our faith. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 10. It says, don't forsake gathering together because when you do, you're encouraging one another in your faith. Have you noticed that usually, if you're seeking the Lord, when you leave church, you feel better? Why is that? Because we spend time just focusing on Jesus and singing about Jesus and praying to Jesus. By the way, in case you didn't know it, that was my wife talking about Jesus up here during that song. And, and she knows what she's talking about because recently the dying saint she sat by was her daddy. And, and we know as we've journeyed through life, nearly married 30 years, living longer than that. And how would we make it without holding on to Jesus? So when we sing about him, we, we're magnifying him and, and he just draws us in close. You get your priorities right when you get in, your, get in God's word. I'm in a reading plan that was written a long time ago, but it's amazing how every day when I get to the scripture that God has appointed in that plan, it's applicable to my daily life. Why? Because my priorities are right. When you pray, specifically when you pray together with others, man, it just lifts you up. Why? Because that's one of the things you should prioritize. When we worry, our priorities are in balance. But let's look at how Luke describes this same passage. Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Look at verse 25. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Now, I didn't stop when Jesus said this in Matthew, but let me just point something out. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he did this how? By saying, let there be light. Let there be heavens. Let there be earth. In fact, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the, and the word was God, and the word was with God. That's a kind of sometimes confusing way of just reminding us that Jesus didn't just show up on the pages of the Gospels. He's not God Jr. that arrived there in Bethlehem. Jesus has been there from the beginning. He was a part of creation. 
And Jesus, who spoke the world into existence, is saying, okay, I spoke the world into existence. I created everything that is. Just add an hour to your day. Go ahead. Ever tried that? Can't do it. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Then he says again in verse 31 here, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. But notice this, this is a different verse. We didn't find this in Matthew. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You see, when we worry, not only, not only do we find that our priorities are in balance, when we worry, our perspective is in balance. We don't see God for who he is. <coughs> Remember how Isaiah saw God? In Isaiah 6, he says, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he says, woe is me, for I am undone. God high, me low. What's your perspective of God? Jesus gives us some ways we should look at him in that one verse. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has pleased, been pleased to give you the kingdom. First of all, if we are a little flock, who is God? So the flock is sheep. He's our good shepherd, Scripture tells us. What do we know about sheep? This is not encouraging, church, but hear this. Sheep are dumb and sheep are defenseless. If it wasn't for the shepherd, sheep wouldn't make it. Because everybody that comes along is stronger and faster than the sheep. I mean, they look at the sheep and all they see is leg of lamb. It's bad news. But what does the shepherd do? The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd meets the needs of the sheep. What does God say about what he does for you? He says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's the shepherd he cares for you. That should be in your perspective. But not only that, it says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father, the Bible says God is your father. Well, I know that's hard for some of you. Some of you have not had a, a good example here on this side of heaven of what a father looks like. I hate that. I'm, I'm so sorry. Maybe your father abandoned you and your family, or maybe they even abused you. That's happening too often in our world. Why does God choose to relate to us that way? I, I think it's because he wants us to see the unconditional love of the Father. So after raising our four boys, God allowed us to adopt this precious little girl. And she and I were walking around Target the other day. And I don't know, we were just talking. She didn't have her cane, so she was just holding my arm. And I was guiding her through. And she said something funny. And I just stopped. And I gave her a big old bear hug. And I said, Anaya. She said, What? I said, I sure do love you. He said, I love you too, Daddy. And there in Target, I was just able to say and reinforce in her, and you know what? I will always love you. I want you to understand that regardless of what you've experienced in life, regardless of what you've gone through, you have a God who loves you, a God who unconditionally loves you. God's love for you is an established fact that's already declared. Nothing can change it. Nothing can take it away. I love what the song says, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. He loves us. 
That's why it says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. But there's more. He's our caring shepherd. He's our loving father. But notice what it says. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's our shepherd. He's our father. What's the third thing he's saying that he is? If we're in his kingdom, who is he? He's our king. He's our sovereign God. That means nothing in your life catches him off guard. That means nothing you encounter is beyond his power. When we face situations and circumstances that we don't understand, we should rest in the truth we do understand. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we face situations and circumstances beyond our control, we should rest in the one who has control. That's Jesus. Let me just ask you about your perspective. Do you feel like you've got the right perspective of God? Because when we have the proper perspective, we remember that no matter how big our problem, our God is bigger. All right. Let me give you this last one. And these are... And they're up there among my favorite verses in Scripture. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, not only when we worry do we find that our priorities are imbalanced? And when we worry, our perspective is imbalanced. I'm just going to tell you, when we worry, every time our prayer life is imbalanced. Because here, Jesus gives us a command and a promise. What's the command? Worry less, pray more. Let's say that together. Worry less, pray more. What's the promise when we do that? Supernatural peace. Be anxious for nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God and the peace of God, which transcends our understanding. Prayer is our pathway to supernatural peace. I can't tell you how often I've prayed that with a family that's struggling with someone with illness. Or, or prayed that with a couple as they're walking through pain and, and hurt in marriage. Or, or prayed that with somebody as they face tragedy. What does that mean? God can so respond to our prayers that even when it doesn't make sense, he can give us peace that surpasses our understanding. So what do we do? We go back to that verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You gotta come to Jesus. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So, so let me wrap this up 
by giving you just four ways you need to regularly rest in Jesus. Number one, decide to rest on the promises of God. When I was growing up, we'd gather in church and and sometimes the piano and organ would get going on some of the hymns that we would sing. The hymns themselves just kind of made you want to bounce. And one of those songs was Standing on the Promise. Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. Listen to the second verse of, of that hymn, Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Now listen to one of the promises. John 14. Most of you, if you've heard this, you've heard it at a funeral. But let's see what it means to us today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way, the place I'm going. And then Thomas says, uh, excuse me, sir. Doubting Thomas. No, 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 Jesus, we don't know. We have no clue what you're, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? And then Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, what we have to decide as those who profess to follow Christ is do we even believe the words of Jesus? Do we believe that he's a God who promises to make a way when there seems to be no way? Jesus kind of ends this discourse in verse 27 with this word. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, this peace is different. This peace doesn't make sense. This is not just feel-good cliche in the moment. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Simple question. Are you standing on the promises of God? As the old country preachers used to say, some of you are standing, sitting on your premises when you should be standing on the promises. Amen. If you study how many promises in Scripture, people would tell you there's between 3,000 and 30,000 promises. At least 7,000 of them directed at us. I'm not good at math, but there's 365 days in a year. So there's at least enough for me to lean on the promise of God every day. Number two, decide to rest in the power of God. We sing about it. We sing that he's the God who still does miracles. Do you believe that? We sing that he can move the mountains in our life. Do you believe that? Well, listen to Matthew 8, familiar passage. Then he, that's Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Now, if you hang out here very often, you've heard me say a bunch. Here's the facts. We're either all in a storm, we've just come out of a storm, or we may not realize it, but we're headed into a storm. The storms of life are inevitable. But what does it say in this storm? Notice what it says. But Jesus was sleeping. The storms of our life don't catch God off guard. So the disciples woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, is this familiar? You have a little faith. 
Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed, and they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want to tell you something today. Your God is powerful enough to handle any situation you're in. And here's what I've learned. It's better to be in a storm with Jesus than to be anywhere else without him. Decide to rest in the power of God. Thirdly, decide to rest in the presence of Jesus. I'm just trying to cover you in Scripture. Let's look at another passage, Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in what? Fear. Fear. What is worry? Fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now again, look at Peter. If Peter would have been functioning on all cylinders, he would have just went to Jesus. But he still doesn't believe him. He says, okay, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus appeased him, and Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... Now that, we're not preaching through these texts, but isn't that interesting? When he saw the wind, truth is you don't see the wind, you see the impact, the effects of the wind. And that's what gets us. We see what's going on around us and we get afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him and here he says it again, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I read this passage and I, I'm overwhelmed by this reality. When our eyes are on Jesus, we can do the seemingly impossible. But when we take our eyes off of him, even the best of us begin to sink. And we will. It's just who we are. So what do we do? What did Peter do? What did Peter do when he began to sink? He cried out to Jesus. He cried out to the Lord. When you are filled with worry, when you're overcome with doubt, when you don't know the way to forward, that's when you cry out to the Lord. That's when you let him know that you desperately need him. Jesus called him, oh, you of little faith. But you know what Jesus said elsewhere in Scripture? He said, even if you just have a little faith, you can say to that mountain, move, and it'll move. Number four, decide to remember the provisions of God. Decide to remember the provisions of God. You remember the story of the children of Israel? They were in slavery in Egypt. God sent all these plagues, and yet he also hardened Pharaoh's heart. So the Pharaoh didn't let the children of Israel go until um, what instituted the Passover. That God told through Moses his children to take the blood of a lamb and to put it on their doorpost. And when the angel of death would come, if they saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, they would pass over. But for every other home in Egypt, the firstborn, human and animals, would die. By the way, the Bible says that there'll be a moment where every one of us stand before God. 
And he'll determine if our, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And, and what will determine that is whether or not our lives have been marked by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus Christ. Whether we've allowed what he did on the cross to cover our sin. So what happened? Well, the Israelites did that. And the angel of death passed over and they were spared. And the Pharaoh got so upset that he said, all right, you guys get out of here. And he told them to leave. And so that's what happened in Exodus 20 and verse 50, I mean 12 and verse 50. It says, all the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Well, what happens next? They're out of Egypt. They're on the road to freedom to the promised land, and look in Exodus 13 and verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Isn't that interesting? God knows. God knows your weaknesses. He knows your shortcomings. And yet sometimes he lets us go through the process. So that's what happened. Pharaoh's heart got hardened again. He starts chasing out of the, after the Israelites. And now they find themselves camping with the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. And what happens? In Exodus 14 and verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And that's what we do. God can deliver us one day. And the next day we can act like he's trying to kill us. How soon we forget the great hand of God. How often is worry in our life. Because we've not rested in the hand of God. So what does Moses do? Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people and says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Say this with me. Say the Lord will fight for you. Now, let's make it personal. Say, the Lord will fight for me. And he did. We get the whole account here. Verse 30 says, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. See, Moses saw God in what seemed to be the impossible. That's your key out of worry. Understanding that God specializes in making a way when there seems to be no way. And so you look back and you trust him. Let's take another poll. How many of you would say, Pastor, without any doubt, I know a time in my past where God provided for me. Let me see your hands. Yeah, me too. Why do we forget it? Why do we not rely on him as we go forward? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to respond to worry, to anxiety, the way that Moses and the Israelites did. Look at Exodus 14, 31. Or, 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 actually, look at Exodus 15, verse 1. 
Exodus 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. You know what they did? They understood that when we worry, we've got to allow our worry to be turned to worship. Because when we worship, We're impacting our priorities, our perspective, and we're crying out to God. And we're letting him meet our needs. I said this last week, but it bears repeating. Even in our moments of greatest need, God will put a song in our heart. And our hearts are in tune with his. That's dealing with anxiety in your life. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.